Gabriella Balcom won the right to have a novel published by Clarendon House Publishing when one of her stories was voted best in the anthology in which it appeared. Her book, On the Wings of Ideas, came out following this. What's your favorite genre? Fantasy? Horror? Sci-fi? Romance? Literary fiction? This multi-genre collection of short stories includes all of that and more and has something for everyone. Gabriella's stories will alternately move you and bring you to tears, captivate or horrify you, and have you on the edge of your seat. Don't miss out. Be sure to get a copy today. All her life, Joan placed herself into the hands of men who failed her. Joan does the unthinkable for a woman in 1960, leaving her small town of Gainesfield. As an accomplished musician, Joan served her country in the first ever women's Air Force band, San Antonio, Texas. She unwittingly becomes part of a brainwashing experiment. After her Air Force service, returning to society is particularly hard for Joan, so much so that she has spent a good deal of her life in a mental institution. As a patient in a VA hospital, Joan is found murdered. Small-town secrets, whispers behind closed doors, stolen records, serve to solve the mystery of what the hell happened to Joan. This book is a work of fiction, but very well could have happened. Gabriella Balcom's thrilling sci-fi novella, The Return. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay that way. Although it's the year 2027, most of the facility's research is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd clamor for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. By the time 2030 arrives... Researchers have worked for a while with feline service units and human replicas, HRs, who are virtual prisoners with no rights. More and more of them are dying and they long for freedom. Surprisingly, one of the top scientists isn't happy with the status quo either. Tensions are mounting and things are not as they appear. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. So again, welcome to the world of Mythbits. It is the long-awaited review episode, and I am very excited for this episode because the issue was phenomenal. Uh, every issue is phenomenal, don't get me wrong on that, but this issue really had me floored in all the best of ways. But before we get into the review portion, we have some housekeeping to go over. So... First of all, this year's newest releases from Dark Myth Publications, Stumbling in Crazy Town by Peggy Gerber and Processing Things by Michael A. Arnold are both available for purchase in ebook format on Amazon Kindle. 
Negotiations continue this week in regard to the, a new editor-in-chief of Dark Myth Comics and looks quite promising. A uh, managing editor of New Wave Comics has made great progress in contacting possible clients for the creator-owned brand. Also, opening for audio advertisements for JZO Modcast shows and banner ads will be available next week as current contracts expire. So go ahead and contact Stephanie at stephaniejbardi at jzomondarkmyth.com. New The World of Myth shirts featuring the new logo will be going on sale at Mythmart this week, so check that out, please. Also, the open contract challenge starts in 13 days, less than two weeks. Uh, <laughs> so go ahead and get your pitches ready, please. Uh, for updated rules, go to opencontractchallenge.com. And finally, we all at the Jaisalmon Dark Myth Company want to wish Rebecca Illich the best as she resigned from the company this week. So very, very good luck indeed with your future endeavors, Rebecca. Uh, so yeah, so that is housekeeping for the week. Uh, so now I can just sit here and talk about whatever. I'm kidding. We're going to get to the review. Do not fret. Like I said, this issue was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I know there were a lot of new names that... Uh, hadn't previously read anything from uh, me personally. So it was really exciting. <laughs> and uh, it was just a really great issue. And I do want to remind everybody, there is a review section. I know um, it, it, it kind of lurks, you know, and I, 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 don't, I don't think everybody remembers that it's there. Um, and I really just really, really, really want to impress that Michael, Michael A. Arnold, who, again, just released Processing Things, his reviews are genuinely one of my favorite parts of the issues because I always find myself learning so much from them. So don't forget that those are there. And please check out his reviews because they are so freaking good and entertaining because he just tackles things that I genuinely would be like, What? What? They blow my mind. So anyway, let's get into the review, uh, and we will start with Dravel and Flash. And our first story, Ready, Set, Go, by Stephanie J. Barty. And I really, really, really love this concept. To take a song that's filled with so much mystique and then to pay homage to it it just works uh I love when songs tackle more more of like a story format and we the audience really get to decipher and conclude the meaning <laughs> so I think Steph's piece is a great great way to partner with that musical storytelling uh, again format so it was just a very entertaining and interesting piece. I loved it. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Next up, Through Wolf-Like Eyes by David K. Part 2. Sorry. Through Wolf-Like Eyes. Part 2 by David K. Montoya. Uh, I see what we're doing here, and I'm really into it. 
I think this is just another piece that illustrates the talents of the Drabble and Flash genre. And I think Dave did a wonderful job in conveying all we need to know regarding this new character and how eventually uh, we'll see how part one and this part intersect and come together. And I'm very, very eager for more additions. So excellent work, Dave. And next, Green Thorn of the Briar by Samantha Jayasuria. Did I say that right? I really hope so. Uh, what an enjoyable and mischievous piece. <laughs> Samantha has a very clear voice in her work, and it's so entertaining to read and to be invited into this world of magic and lore. It's just filled with so much wonder and curiosity, and of course you can't help but feel a little skeptical, a little wary, if you will, of Greenthorn of the Briar's fee collection means, you know? Uh, Samantha just did a beautiful job with such an excellent piece. And next up, Jayla's Secret by Lynn Phillips. Part of me feels... <laughs> Like, this is actually a conspiracy theory somewhere on the internet, uh, which is both hilarious and also a little scary. I liked the story. It was silly and kind of funny and preposterous in all its sci-fi goodness. I think the only factor that gives me pause is the idea that it's anything but power and greed that would inspire world leaders to uh, destroy the world. Mainly, you know, I mean, we, we see it every every decade honestly and right now in particular uh, but that's also not what this story is about and it's really not a judgment about this story uh, I just thought it was a very entertaining piece and Lynn is a phenomenal writer so I loved I loved it excellent work and next up something better teaser number seven fugitives by Jim Bates Another reminder of this story and how wonderfully complex and full of hope it was and remains. Um, I remember this chapter very well. <laughs> I remember most of these chapters super well. Uh, it's just very easy to identify where I was when I was reading them. You know what I mean? The, the headspace they put me in, in a good way. Uh, so, but when, with this piece in particular, it was when things really started heading into unknown territory uh, as to where where the story in its entirety was headed. So don't forget, some, something better is available through mythmart.com. I don't know why I'm tripping over my tongue this episode. I'm very sorry, guys. Uh, next up, Ghost Hunters by James Rumple. Uh, best hope none of them are live streaming their ghost hunting adventures. This is another piece that I think is really fun to imagine from different perspectives, which James kind of kind of gives us that space, that ample room to play around in our imaginations. I mean, ultimately, we understand. But imagine this is a story from the perspective uh, of an actual ghost. That'd be kind of funny. Uh, I just think it's a delightful piece by James that harnesses his subtle humor and darkness. And it was just, just a wonderful and fun piece, James. And next up, Miracle Stain Remover by Glenn Donaldson. There's nothing about this that doesn't feel inauthentic. <laughs> Uh, I've known my fair share of guys who would do 
something very similar. Uh, no joke. I really wish I were, but no joke. I've even tried similar things uh, with a dishwasher. Um, there's just an organic way about Gwen's writing that flows wonderfully and fluidly. That's humorous and goofy in a way that doesn't feel cheap or poorly planned. It's just a wonderful piece and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Excellent work. And next, Submit by Christopher Bice. Absolutely wonderfully dark, menacing piece, Christopher. Uh, at first I thought, oh, this was going this is going to be, you know, a super pleasant, almost meditative and relaxing uh story, but nope. Nope. We veered and it was terrifying. I think it was a brilliant way to hone in on the fears of water, uh, open water. Well, even though it wasn't like super open, just in water in general, uh, what lies beneath the surface, if you will. Nothing good in this case. Uh, excellent piece, Christopher. Mr. Bice. Um, all right, next up, The Fat Man's Revenge by Jim Bates. I do appreciate a nice revenge tale, especially against bullies. Uh, it's an interesting perspective and pace for Jim. So I, I, I won't lie, but it, I love it. I loved how it came out. I love the uh, venture and the skill it takes to shift and twist and move within different genres. And Jim did it with super great ease. Well, see, it looks that way from the outside looking in. Terrific tale, Jim. Excellent, excellent work. And that will take us over to our children's literature uh, section and our first story, The Neighbor, Chapter 5, by Timothy Law. What a wonderful conclusion to this story. It's the sort of story you could really see playing well in a Jim Henson sort of way. So absolutely wild, and it just moves your imagination in ways you haven't really experienced in uh, childhood. And I just thought it was fun and lovely and in its entirety and an absolutely delightful ending. So wonderful, wonderful work, Tim. And that leads us to the fantasy genre and our first story, An Unexpected Meeting by Jacqueline Bartle. Can I please just say I love saying your name, Jacqueline Bartle. I don't know. It just feels it's it's the, the curvature of that Bartle. Uh, all right. Anyway, that was weird. But yes, great name. <laughs> what a lovely, but also very sad story. I think this is a tale that approaches a number of major issues regarding the human race and how impactful we are to those around us. Our actions have major consequences, no matter how big or small. And I love that Jacqueline humanized the whole thing in such a sad, but very beautiful way. And the story makes me think of, of kind of Fern Gully, uh, which was is one of my favorites. So this was just a brilliant standout piece. Excellent work. And next up, Covenant by Carrie Jessmer. I adore this piece. It's fantastically written, and I enjoyed the narrative a lot. The terseness throughout, the tension is so intense. Even though we only have a vague idea where we're headed, you can 
feel the intensity of something immense right around the corner. Uh, Carrie just did a phenomenal job with a story like this that feels new and inventive while dealing with something, you know, not unusual. The delivery was just impeccable and an absolute delight to read. So excellent piece, Carrie. And next up, Rat or Bat by Mangal Patel. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Again, this issue is on a roll, guys. This month, oh, this was a phenomenal story that was both fun, silly, and very dark. And I loved every moment of it. Uh, Mungal, please tell me, make sure I'm saying your name correctly. Mungal is just amazing. I mean, this story was such a blast to read. And you can tell she had plenty of fun writing it. Uh, and that, as a, as a reader, is so satisfying. Uh, <laughs> so while I, I hated the fate of our characters in the ending. The twists were so delightful and smart. There's just such a strong voice to this piece that makes it so easy to fall in love with and imagine it in full-scale imagination. Just a phenomenally wonderful story. And next up, Susie's Wish, part two out of three by Gabriella Balcom. Wow. Absolute wow. I really have to say this. Gabriella lengthening her stories into multiple parts, for me, is is the sweet spot. Uh, her work absolutely shines in stories where she allows herself ample time to grow the entirety of the story. Uh, this part was both amazingly written, uh, but also hard to read just because of the subject matter, but it was just stupendously brilliant. And Gabriella's talents, again, it just, they shine so, so intensely. I love how she switched gears in the middle because it felt organic and easy, uh, which is why I think extending the length of her work is just so beneficial. It's, it's super rewarding as a reader. So just an excellent addition, and I can't wait to read the final piece. Brilliant work. And next up, we have Petra's Tale, Part 12, by Timothy Law. Uh, what can I say that I haven't already said? Honestly, this chapter is fan-freaking-tastic. I, I love Catherine's dynamic. She, by far, is just turning into one of my like the the character I'm most eager to see her process her progress progress <laughs> um and how she started to evolve and I I love Sienna like I would die for Sienna uh but I also love the importance of what this chapter conveys the people can make a choice to stand with the humans as opposed to the single take from one prince, you know? It's just an interesting turn of events that'll lead to what I imagine is going to be a fantastically entertaining next few chapters. So absolutely engaging and excellent chapter, Tim. And now we will stumble on over, we will hurry on over, we will run on over to the horror section. <laughs> we will we will do whatever, uh, whatever... 
a verb you can think of into the horror section. All right. <laughs> Our first story is Troll by Stephen Lord. There are times when the use of technology in horror can feel super gimmicky. And I think that's just because we're still adapting to fiction, mixing with everyday tech, you know, what we experience on the daily and relating that to, you know, horror as we knew it. Um, so not just sci-fi either, but in general, uh, this story is absolutely not the case. <laughs> this is a spectacular example of how it's done so smartly and with such intent. This was just an amazingly haunting piece that serves so well to the horror genre, and I so enjoyed it. Uh, Stephen Lord's writing ability is simply a amazing. Each sentence is perfection and nothing feels strained or misplaced. I just enjoyed this piece so much. Excellent, excellent work, Stephen, and I cannot wait to see what else you put forward. And next up we have The Nick by Chad Miller. Magnifico. <laughs> uh, this is a story that gets your attention immediately. The intensity of the act of of guillotine guillotine death is admittedly fascinating uh, and i think chad did a wonderful job combining historical fiction with the the horror of its reality because it was horrific uh it's just a terrific concept and so haunting so chilling just an excellent piece of fiction Thank you so much, and Chad. And next up we have, I'm going to make an idiot of myself when I say this word, Corpusal Games by Lisa H. Owens. There are just words, guys. There are words sometimes. You know how to read it, but you don't know how to say it. That is the problem of being a reader. Uh, anyway going with the actual review. That was not part of the review. <laughs> Corpusal Games by Lisa H. Owens. Uh, this is genuinely such an amazing horror section this month. I am in awe. This story was so engaging and so delightful, intense. You knew something was going to go awry and lo and behold, it went brutal and it was so good and such a delight to read. Lisa is another phenomenal writer who did such a perfect and immaculate job with this piece and keeping the momentum just right, the perfect timing and tune. <laughs> uh, it was just, uh, I, I loved this piece so, so much. An absolutely amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing your work with us, Lisa. I am in awe. And... Next up, Hug a Tree by Kate McDonald Dunbar. This was a wonderful tale that started with the alarming bleakness of a zombie apocalypse and ended with the beautiful camaraderie of a zombie apocalypse, if you will. And I love how Kate was able to do it with her 
super memorable voice and tone. And there are still the the glimpses of her lightheartedness and, and humor. But again, it never distracts from the horror or the reality of the plot. With zombie stories, it's very easy to fall into monotonous territory because the genre is so saturated. But Kate's delivery and her ability... They definitely lend to setting it apart, and I so enjoyed reading this piece. And finally, we have Penance, Part 10, Fall Into Me by Stephanie J. Barty. This was quite the chapter, wasn't it? Uh, (laughs) It was brilliantly written. Uh, There's absolute wondrous skill within this, and I think Stephanie really did an amazing job. I'm not super eager to learn more about Adrian's everything, uh, only because dude is toxic AF. <laughs> and, I mean, we really did push into non-consensual territory in there, you know. Uh, but he can... He, he can, he can go suck a suck a blank, if you will, uh, you know. <laughs> but aside from that, I think this was an excellent chapter that really designates the importance of Marlin and Reese's life, and I'm excited to see how she realizes it further and further, especially with the likes of Adrian and the peripheral. So excellent work, Steph. And now we shall. Hurry, hurry! I can't. Now we shall enter the action and suspense section. Uh, The House of Mirrors by Don DeBrawl. So this piece for me was absolutely something interesting because it just oozed nostalgia. It was so much fun because it reminded me of Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark in the best of ways. I don't know why, but I just imagined this um, as if it were an episode from the 90s and it just it made me happy you know uh because some of those those episodes were terrifying but leaving that behind I love this story from Dawn it was creepy and startling in the best of ways it had the course charted from the get-go and read so cleanly and pleasantly awesome awesome piece Dawn and next up The House of Tomorrow Today by Steve Carr Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, (laughs) That was a terrific story. Uh, There's something so beautiful of the crossover from what could be science fiction and horror or something of a ghost story. And in the end, that's what this piece is, a ghost story. The Ghost of the Promised Tomorrow Today. Oh, <laughs> this was just a wonderful story, and I honestly don't think I can fathom much more appreciation. It was just a wonderful, beautiful piece. Stunning. Uh, <laughs> all right. And finally, we have The End, Story 3, Traveling the Unknown by David K. Montoya. And here I thought we had a slight recess from the anguish. Uh, but no, uh, damn Arturo has to ruin everything. Uh, but beyond that, <laughs> I thought this was a great addition. We can see the relationships forming and reforming. 
and coming back to both the normalcy of life before. And I think that's interesting. That's a really interesting notion. On one hand, it seems so silly to worry about certain factors after facing uh, essentially an apocalypse, you know? But on the other hand, it's easier to deal with rather than life or death situations, like something you'd almost just miss. Uh, And I, I think that's a very interesting notion to address. But such are the joys of this series, getting a glimpse of people in this new world and the growth and change and the evolution. So excellent work, Dave. And now we move on to your favorite and mine, science fiction double feature, except it's not a double feature because oh, we only have one story, but uh, <laughs> so a, sing- a single feature. Uh, and the story is The Transient City by Josh Poole. This story was different than anything I've read uh, from Josh up to this point, and it was spectacular. There's a lot of heart and wanting an ideology sprinkled over his work and this piece doesn't fall short in any way Uh, but it's slower and calmer introducing multiple futuristic theories and concepts that are pieced together so well and so intelligently uh, but it doesn't feel hard to grasp Uh, so the the atmosphere, too, is the director of this story, you know, and that lends to the overall effect by the end, resulting in absolute chills. I love, love, love how Josh paints the scenes and orchestrates dialogue and just gives us this magnificent depth that is so perfectly spread throughout just an amazing, amazing story that had me holding my dang breath. Excellent work, Josh. And now we will we will laugh on over to humor. I need to work on my transitions. This is why I can't be a talk show host. Um, all right. So our first story, uh, A Surprise for Parkins by Michael A. Arnold. I think this was quite fun uh, and a delightful story and very unique and interesting. I love the complexities of scholarly references that Michael made throughout it as it just lends to the rambunctiousness, 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 the rambunctiousness, geez Louise, of these characters. Uh, I'm really proving who I am here. Uh, (laughs) My inability to speak. Uh, Just a fun, entertaining, and rather silly, but purely appreciative story. So excellent work, uh, Michael. And next up we have Frankencat by Doug Hawley. This is a concept that's obviously visited throughout entertainment, uh, but never like this, and it was so funny and silly. I love the thoughtfulness of the origin of the concept, you know, Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. It was just a lot of fun, and it is very obviously a Doug Hawley story. And so I appreciate that and his ability to be so memorable with his writing. Uh, So excellent work and absolutely delightful story, Doug. And finally, we have The Greatest by Timothy Law. Once again, Tim knows how to excel in shifting his abilities through genres, and I loved this piece. It inspired imagery of 
kind of Fantasia, right? Uh, almost, minus, minus the famous mouse. Uh, and there could be a bit of a, you know, nose tapper, a wink, a wink, if you will, there. Uh, <laughs> well, I know, I know what I mean, at least. Uh, point is, this was an absolutely fun story that feels like a modern heist gone horribly awry in the days of lore and magic. Kind of like like the show Brassic meets The Witcher. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am sticking with that one. <laughs> Such a fun story. And thank you, as always, Tim, for the pleasure of your stories. And that does it for... Uh, our story section and will lead us over to poetry, which was really packed this month. Uh, in our first piece, Don't Go In the Tower by Cheryl La, Cheryl Lea, Cheryl Lea, uh, Broadfoot. And uh, I loved everything <laughs> about this poem. The handling of the foreboding fairy tales that we all know and, and are super familiar with. Um, Cheryl Liaw <laughs> laid it out magnificently from the spindle's perspective, uh, the almost awareness of its role in the events. And it's just beautifully written. Absolutely maleficent. Er, magnificent. <laughs> all right. <laughs> And next up, we have Sweet Onion by S.D. Kilmer. The way this piece is organized really does read like a school rhyme. And it's so fun to read it as such. I mean, S.D. clearly had a gas <laughs> writing this piece. And it's such a pleasure to read over and over again because it really does feel like a song, even though it designates clearly that it is not a song. But it feels like one, and I just love the the whimsy of the flow, if you will. Excellent O-Work. And next up, The Fairy and the Child by Trisha Waller. And yes, I love this cautionary tale. Of course, it, make, it makes me think of Pan's Labyrinth, which... I really hope you take that as a compliment because that is one of my favorite, favorite movies and stories. Um, and that it's that unknowing trust of magical creatures hoping to be magicked away, you know, into a land, a land of all things unusual, but the darkness that creeps in uh, and that want growing meeker and meeker and it just pays off in the end. Sad and tragic, yes, but thoroughly entertaining. Beautiful writing and talent on display here, Trisha. So excellent, excellent piece. And next up, Unbroken by Linda M. Sov. Yes, a phenomenal homage to nurses. I know the lives of nurses has never been easy. And these past few years have seemed to span decades uh, in terms of the unrelenting cruelty uh, people that's putting it nicely uh, those who don't understand or choose not to you know so I'm glad to see Linda is proclaiming a giant F you I am a phenom uh, wonderfully wonderful piece and a beautiful way to honor all those in the medical field so a major 
thank you to all of you amazing people. And next up, Patricia by Linda Emblar. Linda hit a nerve with this one. Just It hit hard. And it is delectably haunting. There's a subtle, unnerving aspect to this piece, but also a lot of strength and healing that feels symbolic in so many ways. Like all of Linda's work, uh, it, it reads like a badger strength. And this one houses that same feeling, you know. It also feels almost like a celebration or a sense of relief. It's just beautiful. And I love this piece. And next up, we have The Window by David Painter. Uh, yeah, this piece was like calm in a nutshell. David gave us this piece filled with such hypnotizing uh, means, and it's so peaceful and calm. <laughs> that's the that's the the feeling of the month. It's medita- meditative and alluring, and it elicits the the whiffs of a rainy night, you know, through through the morning, uh, the earth bathing itself, and yes, just absolutely beautiful. Put this on rotate for stressful days to help soothe yourself, honestly. Excellent, excellent work, David. And next up we have Bernard, Liquor Slave by Gabriella Balcom. Well, that was a hopeful piece. (laughs) I like the turn it took into deserting the bleakness and moving into uh, more positive and, and, like I said, hopeful territory. And it worked. It was fun and engaging to read the shifts in Bernard's life, and it felt like a modern folk tale. It was just entertaining, and I really appreciate this piece. You can tell and appreciate the amount of work that went into it, and it pays off. So an excellent, excellent piece of work, Gabriella. And next up, A Lark's Song by Kate McDonald Dunbar. This is definitely a stunning piece for me personally. Uh, it felt super relatable, and I think for a lot of readers too. It it just really hits the nail on the head uh, regarding that feeling of isolation, you know, that you are alone, uh, even if you're told you're not, you know, um, that wakeful, <laughs> depressive state. I just think Kate was able to convey that feeling with such perfection and uh, clarity. Yet, at the end, there was that glimmer of hope, you know, and that not all is lost in in the end. This is just a, a wonderful poem that Kate wrote with absolute grace. So, wonderful work. And next up, Searching by Christopher Bice. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot to unpack here, uh, but first, can I just applaud the line, nature's perfume? Uh, I don't know why, but that statement alone is just so expressive and magical. Uh, but with the rest of the poem, this too, it really does a service uh, to its readers, the the tranquility and the stillness that needed respite from all the woes of life that anticipation to keep moving eventually, to accept that there's still momentum in your journey, you know, to to your daily life. 
I don't know, this one This one just spoke volumes, and it was so beautiful and calming and wonderfully, wonderfully written. A beautiful piece. So thank you so much, Mr. Bice. And next up, Sweet Sixteen by Timothy Law. I love everything about this twisted piece. Uh, at first, I wasn't too sure where we were headed, uh, but then it landed, and it was just so satisfyingly entertaining in all its horror, you know, it could easily be, again, a horror folk song. Uh, <laughs> so, of course, it appeals to me. Uh, but other than that, it was just a fun way to turn a classic on its head and then, like, spin it round and round and round until it's dizzy and starts veering into a direction that you're not sure if you want to follow, but you do. And then the end, you're just so engrossed by, by the content, you can't look away. Uh, awesome, awesome piece, Tim. <laughs> and next up, The Vegetable Market by Dr. Pragya Suman. Uh, this was also a delightful piece, and I feel like the word of the month is calming, you know. Uh, there's something very peaceful about this piece. Maybe it's just the subtleness of finding such intricate words and wonder for something so normal, such as... Uh, visiting a vegetable market. Uh, it's just a lovely poem that incites that that calm, and I really enjoyed reading it. So beautiful, beautiful work. And finally, we have Crack Smoking Monkey by Kevin Magnus, where calm is not found. <laughs> so dang, Kevin. I love how at first glance it reads almost like a Beastie Boy song, uh, but then it just turns vicious. Like, who, who is this? Do we all know someone like this? Probably. I don't know. I just found myself asking a lot of questions because I was both giddy and like bopping along, uh, <laughs> but then also very alarmed and startled, none of which are bad and actually is very fun, complex set of emotions. So of course it was quite entertaining and far less depressing than most of Kevin's work. So thank you, sir. And that will lead us over to our art section and our first piece, Sunny by Zoe M. Montoya. So cute. Uh, I have a ton of, of exclamation points in my notes. Uh, from the expression on the face to the pose to the color palette, Sunny is just too cute. Uh, I love the subtle blushing. I think that was a very beautiful decision uh, because it, it just lends to the overall chipperness of the character and that big grin and that shading and the clean line work. Excellent, excellent work, Zoe. And next up, Warrior Woman by Vincent May. Gorgeousness uh, ensues. Vincent's penwork and attention to detail, as always, it just makes me have to stop, hold my breath, and do everything I can to take every line in, you know? I know it's not, but he makes the, the illustration look so effortless. Just the, the cleanliness of the lines to the overall design, which is just the coolest by the way uh she's just awesome uh I love love this piece and next up we have God of the Highway by Eric Rivera when I first saw this piece by Eric um I was just left in a cloud of dust uh, the thing is so phenomenal there is not a single thing happening that isn't gorgeous the movement of the highway um 
the Pegasus, the freaking cars uh, that just blow my mind. This is a phenomenal piece. I can't get over the headlights alone. That's like one of my favorite parts. I don't even know why. I just love the headlights. Uh, this piece just tells you the story and it's so perfect. Just it's it's definitely one of my favorite pieces from Eric uh, up to this point. And I've gotten to see some of his work that he's working on, like, because he's in school and seeing. It just, it blows my mind. It This kid blows my mind. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Next up, True Nature by Chad Miller. Um, I love me some <laughs> vulture artwork and I love the almost not too classic cartoons and the, the illustrations of the vulture. Uh, it's sly and pleased and hungry. Uh, this is just an entertaining piece that's massively enjoyable to look at and take in all its death and uh, glory, if you will. It's an excellent, excellent piece. And now we head over to the review section. Which, as I said, remember it's there. It's such a great section. Uh, and it's not just because I have two two bits in there. Uh, so the first is the World of Myth Bits podcast by Etmois. The next step is the review of Nightmare Alley by me. And that movie, guys, just please go watch it. It's so good. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> it, it, it's gorgeous. All right. And now for the now for the stuff that matters. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't want to review myself, you know. Uh, anyway, the review of Don DeLillo's Libra by Michael A. Arnold. And in this review of Libra by Don DeLillo, Michael A. Arnold tackles the historical fictitious supposition regarding John F. Kennedy's assassin, one Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, in the book, we explore Oswald's life and the humanization of him and his attraction to communism throughout. The book details extensively Oswald's enlistment of the Marines and the eventual assassination of the uh, president while utilizing facts as well as fiction. While the book doesn't speculate theories regarding the assassination, it does do its job in reminding its audience that Oswald was indeed a real person with real human attributes, something history has done to void. Uh, it's an excellent review that seems to bring us back to the 1960s and the multiple world crises of the times. So wonderful work, Michael. And next up for, I'm sorry, I'm not even going to apologize for it. One of the most interesting reviews, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> just a really cool article. Uh, art review of Orbs in Royal Portraits by Michael A. Arnold. Uh, and this is why I love Michael's reviews. My goodness, what a phenomenally interesting one. So in this review... Inspired by the game Amnesia, The Dark Descent, Michael researches the symbolism uh, and iconography of one object that has found its way through art representing monarchs. The object, an orb with a cross at its top, is interestingly never represented as being held by the cross, but at the base. In addition, Michael delves into the history and potential meaning of the symbol, including pagan origins before Christianity swept in and said, oh, mine. It's a fascinating read and definitely worth your time. Please. Uh, I, I, again, can't. I love Michael's reviews. Okay. And finally, we have the board of directors 
minutes. Uh, taking place January 9th of 2022, our board sits down and addresses new developments within the company, including the success of MythMart and the progress regarding the podcast network as well as advertising. The magazine is operating at its smoothest capacity by the inclusion of strict deadlines. There are plenty of updates regarding the roster for Dark Myth Comics, PCE, and Scarefare, as well as the hunt for a new producer for the Jason Modcast Network. Walter is keeping the OCC in line. JPWI was also voted to become part of live events and should be seeing its return come PCE. All in all, it was a pretty interesting meeting with plenty of updates to follow is the meeting that was held on February 20th. So stay tuned for those updates. That's it. <laughs> That's the review. <laughs> you guys, I I know I said it at the beginning, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, the issue was phenomenal. You know, I it, it's so much fun to get to to take in so many amazing voices and um I just this was a, a great issue there are stories like that just stick with me and I love that I love when that happens um so yeah it was it was a wonderful issue and I hope every single uh writer and artist who you know was approved and included in this issue is very proud of all their work because you know what guys you deserve it um and I'm proud of you all I don't know what my my approval has to do with anything but I want you all to know that your work is valued and uh your talents are very much respected and seen Thank you guys for sitting through. I know my voice is probably a little intolerable today. I don't, I'm a little congested. It's been weird weather uh, where we're at. So my, my throat's been a little scratchy um, and my nose a little. So, all right, guys. <laughs> on that note, not at all that note, but on a note, totally different. Uh, you can find us at www.theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. Like I said, I'll be back next week, but I am going to strive to start doing a little bit more cohesive content. So in the meantime, I'm not I'm not entirely sure, you know, the subjects I'm going to broach or if, you know, at any point there's going to be some compilations, something while I start kind of pushing to uh, refocus the content to something that is consistently entertaining and not just me going on tangents and hoping that it incites some kind of thought or creative process in uh, your guys' minds. So... Thank you so much for listening. I will be sure to look forward to the next issue. And until next time.